Hello and welcome to Charity Chat with your host Sam Davies. This is our fourth episode and this month we're going to be talking about trading. Now it's just going to be me this month but I do have the help of three fantastic guests which I'll introduce you to shortly. Um, Charity trading is essentially um, the exchange of goods or services for a fee. Now the main thing we'll talk about this month is charity shops or charity retail which is a very interesting world. Um, But other types of trading include commercial sponsorship, affinity cards, and contracts. Um, There are two types of trading. Primary purpose trading is when a charity is carrying out its primary purpose whilst trading. So, for example, a community group charging a small fee to access their activities would count as primary purpose trading. Non-primary purpose trading is essentially um, intended to raise funds for the charity to then do what it's doing outside of that trading. Um, Tax is very interesting because uh, HMRC sees the donation of items to a charity shop, for example, as almost like donation of financial um, of money. So uh, that means that uh, there's no tax and um, no matter how much money the charity then makes off of that item, which is great for the charity. Um, There are lots of benefits to trading. Um, The main one, of course, is that uh, it's unrestricted. So for the charity, the money they raise from their trading, especially from their charity shops, um, is unrestricted and they can put that where it's most needed, which is great news. And uh, we've got some real success stories out there when it comes to charity trading um, or charity shops. Um, For example, uh, British Heart Foundation in the UK um, in 2013-14 financial year uh, raised £30 million, which is 22% of its total income um, from their retail uh, profits. And Oxfam similarly raised £22.9 million in 2015, um, which is uh, up, I think, on, on previous years. Um, NFP Synergy, who we've talked about before, um, did a survey recently um, on uh, people's propensity to uh, go to charity shops, and it seems that 84% of people would rather buy books from charity shops compared to 53% from online marketplaces, uh, which is good. And four in five of us have apparently visited a charity shop in the last year, which is also also fantastic. So what I'll do now, I'll introduce you to my three guests. Uh, We've got Robin Osterley, Charity Retail Association, followed by Alan Haynes, who's the acting CEO and head of retail at All Aboard Shops. And finally, we've got Ross Henderson, who's an area manager for Oxfam. So, uh, Robin Osterley, who's the chief executive of the Charity Retail Association, the CRA. Uh, the CRA is the only body in the UK that represents the interests of charity retailers. Um, they currently have over 380 members who, between them, run over 8,000 shops. Um, so, Robin, welcome to Charity Chat. My first question for you, Robin, how successful is charity retail at raising funds for good causes and what are the reasons for its success? Okay, I think charity retail is really successful at raising funds for, for, for good causes. Um, uh, the overall sort of headline figure, I suppose, is that about £310 million uh, is raised each year by charities as part of their retail operation, and that's and that's the actual contribution to charities. In other words, it's the profit that um, charity shops make. Um, so it's a big, big business. 
Um, and it's also a business which benefits not only the charities concerned, but also uh, loads of other people in the community as well. So um, it will benefit uh, the shoppers, obviously, who are able to uh, obtain goods at a price that they wouldn't otherwise be able to find them. Sometimes goods which are incredibly high quality, sometimes goods which are a little bit quirky, a little bit different, maybe vintage clothing, that, that kind of stuff. Um, and these are places where they wouldn't be able to find the, uh, the, these goods uh, uh, anywhere else. Um, or if they did, uh, they would be much, much more expensive. So it benefits the shoppers. Um, it benefits the high street um, because it increases footfall, increases um, the amount of, uh, uh, it decreases the amount of empty shops there are, increases the amounts of occupied shops that there are. Um, it benefits the local community because it operates, uh, a lot of shops now operate as a sort of portal, a sort of front door for the charities concerned, uh, where people can actually access the charity's services as, as well as buy stuff. Um, it benefits the community because they often employ very large numbers of volunteers, uh, some of whom might, find it, might struggle to find jobs elsewhere, some of whom need a, a few extra skills, which, uh, which volunteering in a shop can help them with. Um, it benefits the local community because it keeps uh, goods uh, out of landfill. It benefits the local community because it creates a vibrant and thriving high street uh, which might not otherwise exist. Um, so these are uh, a number of the reasons why charity shops are, are incredibly popular. They're more popular now than they, they've ever been. We have more charity shops in the UK than at any other time. Uh, and we have uh, more people going into them, as far as we can tell. Uh, they're still growing year on, year on year in terms of the turnover and the profit that they, that they um, give to their charities. So uh, it's a very, very successful operation. For any charities thinking about starting a charity shop, what advice would you have? Um, well, I, I would advise them to contact the Charity Retail Association, to be, to be perfectly honest. Um, the, it's, it's not a straightforward business. It's, it's, you know, it's not something you can just go and sort of pick up and start. You need a, you need a good retail, um, understanding in order to be able to start a, uh, an effective charity shop operation. Uh, you need, uh, to have skills in negotiating rents. So you need to have skills in, um, um, marketing to obtain goods. Uh, and you need to start relationships with suppliers and with waste recyclers and those kinds of people. So um, whilst it's something we would absolutely encourage charities to do if they think it's right for them, um, it's not something to, to go into, um, uh, you know, uh, except with your eyes very much wide open. So we would certainly hope that any charities who are interested in, in doing this would, would come to us first and we can provide them with lots of advice and guidance and help and people to talk to. And what changes do you think we will see in charity retail in the future? Uh, I think we're going to see uh, a number of changes in charity retail, uh, probably mirroring in, in lots of ways the changes that we've seen in the high street uh, as, as a whole. Um, it's, uh, uh, it's a business which needs to keep, keep moving, really. It's a business which needs to be fast on its feet. Obviously, high street conditions are changing all the time. It's getting tougher and tougher. In some, in some cases, it's getting more expensive uh, to, to have a presence on the high street. Um, and charity shops uh, need to respond to that. So actually, a number of our members are looking at 
innovative ways um, in which to uh, carry, carry on their business. They're looking at uh, things like uh, specializing in particular uh, subsectors. They're looking at things like uh, upcycling, where you take uh, you take donated goods and you 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 make them uh, more fit for purpose, or you improve them in a number of different ways. Um, they're looking at uh, specialist types of marketing. They're looking at forming uh, chains and relationships. Uh, a number of our members uh, have set up, for example, large format shops selling furniture and electrical goods and those kinds of things, uh, which has been a, a bit of a branching out. So. Um, I think uh, it's, a, it's a sector that is pretty fast on its feet, um, populated by a lot of people who understand the retail uh, market very well. Um, uh, but yes, we will see, we will undoubtedly see an evolution in charity shops over the coming few years. Robin, thank you so much for contributing to Charity Chat. No, not at all. Uh, it's a great pleasure. My second guest is Alan Haynes, acting CEO and head of retail at the charity All Board Shops. Alan has uh, years of retail operations experience in his current role and at Save the Children. He's an active member of the Charity Retail Association. And uh, Alan, we'd like to thank you for contributing to Charity Chats today. Thank you. Alan, first question for you. What are the main challenges currently for charity retailing? Okay, so, um, well, for us certainly, um, being a London-based charity, um, prohibitive rents, I mean, the rents in London are excessive. Um, so trying to find a unit that's in the right location at the right size for the right price is very difficult. Um, the general rising cost in utilities um, across the board really is having an impact. Um, the lack of good quality clothing, um, obviously, with you know, the likes of other sort of cheaper stores selling clothing, they don't last as long. So it's making it uh, difficult for us when we get the items to price them at a decent price to, to get a return on it. So that's something that um, is a concern to us. Um, I think the biggest concern for the charity sector in the next two to three years is going to be the imminent uh, minimum uh, wage rise or living uh, rise that's coming in. Um, we've looked at that and um, as, as a result of that are changing our business model um, because we just cannot in the long term um, suffer those costs. What tips do you have for any charities on how to develop their retaining activities? Yeah, good question. Um, for, for, for me it's about understanding the community where your shop is based. Um, and then looking how that you can supply that community. So is it is it up market, uh, slightly down market? You know, is there an opportunity to put a specialist um, shop in there, um, and then fit the shop out and uh, with the right stock and and the layout accordingly? Um, I would say, don't be afraid to try something new. Um, we've just done our first pop up shop. Uh, at the South Bank Centre as part of a group of charities. Um, and in seven hours, we raised as much as one of our shops raised with six days trading. So, you know, never be afraid to try new things. Um, listen to your staff volunteers um, because they're working in those shops on a day-to-day -day basis. So they understand the local community, the customer, the type of stock they want to sell. So listen to what they have to say because they have a lot of the answers. 
Um, and then also be honest, share your numbers. Um, one of the things that I've done since I've been here is ensure that everybody knows the numbers and where we're at so they know how much we're making, how much it's costing us, uh, and how much the bottom line is. So everybody's on board. What should charities do to encourage material donations to charity? Ask. Um, and the best way to do that is in store word of mouth. Um, also, if you if you have a gift aid scheme, ask your donors um, because you know they're already um, dedicated to your charity. One of the best ways, or certainly one of the ways that that I found has been most effective, was actually shown or taught me by a volunteer team leader at, uh, at our Kings Lynn shop, um, Save the Children, when I was there. His name was John. And he said to me, Al, what I do is I give our customers a black sack. Whenever they buy anything, I give them a black sack, put it in their bag and say, would you mind filling this up? And that's one of the best ways of getting donations in um, from customers. What's the role of the volunteer in charity retail? Okay, the the role of the, I think... The first thing is never, never, never underestimate um, the role of a volunteer in a charity shop. And again, this is something I learnt um, whilst I was at Save the Children. They have 120, 130 stores, all run by volunteers with no paid staff, um, turning over around £8 million. So that is a phenomenal um, achievement. Um, volunteers, if they're given the right support, the right training and the right encouragement, um, and they... they, they love the charity that they're volunteering for will do just about anything um, and also you can you can actually use that in head office you know you can recruit people that are semi-retired or retired that can do pro bono work be it solicitors or accountants so again it's um, never underestimate I think what I'm saying is never underestimate the, the, the volunteer they have a vital part to pay um, in the charity sector and as I say, if you look after them, they will certainly reward the charity. And, you know, obviously the benefit to the charity is there's no salary cost in there as well. So, you know, you have to offer volunteers something in return. It's not about us having free free help. It's about how can we help them. And once you, once you get that right, then um, it's a really, really good relationship. Alan, thank you so much for contributing to Charity Chat. No, you're welcome. Thank you. My final guest this month is Ross Henderson. Uh, Ross's years of experience working in the charity retail sector is currently a head of retail, trustee at Action for Children and Communities in Africa, or Acacia, and he is currently area manager for Oxfam, where he leads and remotely manages 18 charity shops. Ross, welcome to Charity Chat. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Now, my first question for you, what are the benefits for charities of engaging with supporters through trading? I think charity shops really give people a, a presence um, and kind of a, a way to see charities in a completely different way to, to fundraising. But the fact that, that retail sits on the high street and people walk past shops on a daily basis um, kind of gives charities that presence in the high street and makes people makes people think about about trading. Um, they've kind of become a fixture onto the onto the British high streets. There's about ten thousand charity shops, something like that, um, around the UK. Um, and I think kind of supporters of charities see them as a, as a way to support 
the organization in a way that isn't just uh, providing funding, but but allows the the supporter to actually get something from the charity as well in, in a purchase, in a transaction sense. They're also a fantastic way for people to engage with organizations uh, who wouldn't necessarily give money to an organization. So um, lots of people volunteer for charity shops. And, and in some ways, that's that's a gift that people are able to give is time rather than money. So it kind of lets people do something for the organization, uh, which isn't giving money, but generates income at the same time. Secondly, what are the main challenges you've faced in your current capacity as area manager at Oxfam? I'd say in the, in the last 12 months that the, the biggest challenge has been the uncertainty around kind of footfall levels and, and just what's really happening in the, in the economy at the moment. So footfall has been falling quite regularly since 2014 after having a bit of a pickup. Um, and, and the biggest challenge has been kind of week on week. It's very difficult to work out how many people are actually going to walk into your shop. Um, that said, kind of confidence is, is coming back a little bit. And, and if the offer's right, people do come in. But getting that offer right has been a huge challenge because um, the high street generally prices are declining year on year. And actually making sure that charities sell something in a competitive environment, but at the same time maximize the value for the donation and, and the goods that they bring in it is really, really tough. And making sure that we are price competitive with those lower price retailers is, has been something that charities are quite slow to adapt to because generally, generally we're, pr- we're pretty value retailers anyway, but people are now looking for more bang for their buck and they're, they're much more price sensitive. But as I said, on the, on the flip side of that, you want to make sure that when you get a donation that, that's high value, maybe it's designer label, maybe it's an old book, that you do actually achieve the true value for that and making sure that people are, are kind of engage your pricing procedures and seeing that but as i said with the lower footfall numbers actually getting the product out there and trying to push the product through is is definitely a challenge at the moment what advice would you have for any charities looking to develop trading or retail activities and what do charities need to think about when it comes to developing trading income the biggest thing I'd probably see across the sector is, is is kind of a bit of a lack of identity. A lot of charity shops don't really have that identity of themselves on the high street. So there's a lot more to our, to our business than just bringing the goods and, and put them onto the shop floor. I think it's really important to create an offer that people remember and that people are intrigued by. Because as I said a bit earlier on, it's a very competitive environment in the charity sector. And I think it's really, really important that you choose a model that you want to work towards and then do that. And, and added to that, you need to make sure that the, the charity brand is actually shown through. And I think it's really, really important because customers tend to be quite fickle in where, in where they shop. They're generally after a bargain, which is, which is great, and, and we're able to provide that. But if you're able to, to link people to the brand, then you can make people supporters, not just customers. And I, I, I think that's really important. When you're looking at future-proofing yourself and looking at having people get involved perhaps with fundraising or to get to give money directly to the organization, actually representing the brand on the high street and being able to do that is, is absolutely vital. But as, as with the, um, a lot of organizations on the high streets have kind of done, it's really important to just consolidate at the moment and kind of look at what your model is and, and try and refine it. You can look at the number of volunteers you have, the number of donations you're getting in and, and maximize those levels to make sure that your model is, is really is really kind of pure and is being maximized to the most in this kind of time of, of low investment and, and kind of uncertainty. 
How do you think trading will develop in the future? And will it take up a bigger or smaller slice of charity income? So trading is, is always going to be expensive. It's, it's always going to um, produce less um, than fundraising generally. And, and that's not to, to put a slight on it in any way at all, but it's, it's a different kind of, of income generation. The thing that, that kind of excites me for the future, where charities necessarily haven't, haven't developed too much, is, is areas where the high street are developing. So e-commerce is still seeing double-digit growth, and I don't think charities maximize uh, their e-commerce sales as much as they can. Um, but I, I also look at things like pop-up shops. I mean, the high street has started experimenting with that, and they're having huge, huge successes. I think there's real growth potential for charities to look at pop-up shops. And one of the biggest things that, that charities have probably struggled with over the last few years is volunteer retention and the changing volunteer model. And, and that's moving towards younger people volunteering, giving shorter bursts of time. And, and I think that using social media as an engagement tool to actually embed yourself into your social media community is going to be a really prosperous way to, to kind of give us longevity in recruitment of volunteers and making sure that the, the next generation of volunteers that are slightly kind of different in the way that they look at volunteering to the previous generation can be engaged and charities can target them directly to, to engage with the organization. So I, th I think the, the growth on the high street will probably still continue because there is, there is room out there and there are units readily becoming available. But I think charities have to be a lot more clever than just opening the same shops over and over in different locations and look at some of those new avenues of income. And finally, how can charities encourage people, their supporters, to give more material donations to their shops? Um, I mean, increasing donations, we, we are seeing people increasing the levels of donations. The, the challenge is that the quality is, is decreasing. Um, right. Oxfam kind of does a lot of work with around donation banks, but we're also finding that theft levels are incredibly high from donation banks uh, currently. Mm. Um, the price of rag is quite high, although it's falling, and, and that's kind of bringing people on to... to basically breaking into banks and trying to steal the stock from it. Um, the most important thing for stock, I always think, is is just to ask for it and be really niche in the ask. So if you're finding that late 19th century blues is selling really well, then ask for those CDs. You know, you can be that kind of niche. And, and the number of times I go into shops and they're just saying clothes, please, when actually they could be saying women's tops, summer mm. tops, evening wear, vintage and people do respond to that quite well. So I think sometimes we just have to be a bit more provocative and a bit more confident in our ask. And then that kind of does help the level of donations come in. There's also been a bit of a swathe towards um, corporate links. But it, but it's really, really tough to, to get the right organizations to link with you that kind of reflect your brand and also provide you with a stock level that's actually saleable. Ross Henderson, thank you so much for contributing to Charity Chat. Oh, thank you, Sam. It's been nice talking to you. Thank you so much for my three guests this month. And as a summary, for, from all of their insights, we've um, you know, seen charity shops being a huge benefit to the high street, um, a huge benefit to the local community and to local people as well, giving people the opportunity to volunteer and gain new skills. Um, there's a um, lot of challenges out there for, for charities uh, looking to set up or to maintain their charity shops, including prohibitive rents 
and also the, um, the challenging rises of, um, of of costs in terms of staff costs. Um, but you know, as uh, as I think Alan said, um, we've got huge benefits in terms of volunteers, and volunteers need to be looked after and um, and given something back uh, for their support of their local charity shop. Um, Ross Henderson also went on to say that um, you know there's some fantastic opportunities coming up in the future in terms of uh, pop-up events for shops. Alan echoed that, and um, it seems that the, the future is bright for charity shops on our high streets, which is fantastic news. So I'd like to thank all of my guests this month, and I'd like to thank you for listening. As always, we are all volunteers, and we contribute as much as we can in our spare time. So if you would like to support us, please do get in touch through our website, charitychat.org.uk. And uh, I'd also like to thank all of our sponsors, um, Red Dog Music for sponsoring our podcast kit, Forest of Fools, who have been playing throughout the show and will be playing us out shortly, and of course, RR Yard Photography for their fantastic uh, pro bono work when it came to images for our website. Next month, we'll be talking about innovation in international development, and I'll be joined again by my colleague, Vicky. Um, so uh, you won't have to suffer my voice on its own. We'll have Vicky's dulcet tones as well. Anyway, thanks so much for listening, guys. Hope to uh, speak to you next month. Take care. Bye.